Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. And welcome along to the 2019 season of the IMSA Prototype Challenge. We've already had our first race of the season. That was in the first race of this 50th anniversary year for IMSA. The golden anniversary was kicked off by this great grid of prototype cars. We're down in Central Florida. Could not be any more Central in Florida. Sebring Raceway. Sebring International Raceway just on three and three quarter miles 17 corners and the place where really for the USA endurance racing cut its teeth originally the home of the US Grand Prix as well this place breathes history every footstep that you take here is following in the steps of greatness it's a fabulous afternoon we've got just a little bit of high cloud and a great looking set of LMP3 cars with the big V8 engines. They look fab, they sound great, and they've got one hour and 45 minutes of a challenge like no other. On the old Hendrick Field, runways and taxiways, it's round two of the IMSA Prototype Challenge, and it's live here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. To take you through it, Jeremy Shaw, and first, the voice of the Prototype Challenge, Brian Till. It has been 10 weeks since Prototype Challenge has been in action. That seems like an eternity for these drivers, Jeremy. Florida, it was Daytona. The first weekend of the year kicked off the 50th anniversary of IMSA sports car racing. What a way to do it. But these drivers looking to get another race under their belts. The first one was kind of iffy conditions in qualifying back in January. We had rain in qualifying and then a great race. We saw weather today clear. High 70s, maybe low 80s we'll get to temperature-wise, and this racetrack should be fast. Yeah, and seven more cars than we had at Daytona. We had 19 cars for the first race of the season, a full 25 here, so lots of new drivers, lots of enthusiasm and excitement about the IMSA Prototype Challenge. And this is going to be really interesting. Two drivers aboard each of the, most of the cars. Four cars on the field have just single drivers. That's going to be a workout here for an hour and 45 minutes. Well, one of the things about this racetrack, 17 turns here, and it is on an old Air Force base that was built back in the 40s. That makes the airport circuit very bumpy. And then on to uh, internal roads, which are blacktop and asphalt, so very different pavement changes that you've got to get used to. Yeah, it really is a challenge around here. Let's run down the starting lineup then for today's second round of the IMSA Prototype Championship. 25 cars, uh, 25th on the grid, having had a change of tyres after qualifying. The qualifying session this morning was interrupted. Very little time out there. Really nobody set a proper representative lap time. But Nico Riga will start number 55 
uh, Norma for 47 Motorsports at the tail of the field. On row 12 of the grid, another potential favourite for Alianza Gilbert Motorsports. Very fast in practice, but didn't get a representative time on the grid. That's car number 23 for Anthony Simone. Alongside him, Ross Chwest for Conquest Racing in car number 25. Row 11 on the grid is Bruce Hamilton for Wolver Racing in car number 60 and the Ansa Motorsports Ligier of Tim George in car number 2. Lance Wilsey will start for Sean Creech Motorsports in car number 33 in the, on, the, on the outside of row 10 alongside the number 74, 47 Motorsports Norma, started by Wyatt Schwab. Row 9 of the grid, Jerry Kraut in car number 9 for JDC Motorsports. Jerry wasn't here yesterday for the practice, so just arrived this morning, has had virtually no seat time at all this week. Alongside him, uh, Paul LaHaye in car number 86 for one motorsports. Row 8, Blake Mount for Performance Tech Motorsports in car number 7. Alongside the Simway Motorsports, car number 12, making his debut this weekend, is Kevin Woods. Also Performance Tech Motorsports, Bradley Baker from Canada in car number 19 on the outside of row 7. Alongside Joe Robillard for Robillard Racing in car number 10. Row 6 on the grid, Joel Janko for P1 Motorsports in car number 70. Alongside the number 75 for Performance Tech Motorsports, that's Cameron Castles. Row 5, David Murray for MLT Motorsports in car number 54. Alongside another debutant, Mike Guash in car number 52 for PR1 Matheson Motorsports. Row 4, Maurice Smith, Maurice Smith, Simrone Motorsports car number 11. Alongside the K2R Motorsports car number 51 is Rob Hoders. Row 3, on the outside, Naveen Rao for car number 64 for K2 Armors, what's alongside the uh, Robillard Racing second car for that team, car number 43 Stephen McAleer. Row 2 is James Maguire will start car number 26 for K2 Armors, what's alongside the Polestar Motor Racing Inc, car number 40 David Grant and onto the front row, on the outside car number 4, the championship leader having won at Daytona is Leo Lamellas for Ansa Motorsports alongside the pole sitter from Peru in car number 47 for Motorsports 47 Motorsports is Rodrigo Fluca Perfect timing, Jeremy, and the safety car about to come to pit lane. Expect fireworks in turn one. We see it a lot here. It's a very fast entry right now. Rodrigo Fluker in the 47, that black and silver Norma chassis on pole position to the right of your screen, the red and black of Leo Lamellis alongside, and then 24 other cars behind. The speed picks up, green flag waves. We are racing at Sebring. Prototype challenge down into turn one. And what a great start by Leo Lamellas. It certainly was. And uh, the pole sitter there uh, was caught a little bit off guard. Rodrigo Fluke, it didn't get on. I think he caught the castle wiggled sideways as he jumped on the throttle. And that gave a good start for uh, Leo Lamellas. But look at that all over the road as they head into turn one and out of it. The good news is they all made it through. A little bit of lockup going into the first section. It's not uncommon to see that as it takes a while for these Michelin tires to get up to temp and pressure. But right now, Leo Lamellis, what a great start from outside the front row, was able to get around Rodrigo Fluker. But we've got a long way to go, an hour and 45 minutes, a little block thrown down towards the hairpin. Leo Lamellis being a little bit defensive early on. Expect one pit stop today, minimum drive time, 40 minutes, and cars can go just about an hour on fuel so expect to see that pit stop around the 45 minute mark and it is a minimum two and a half minutes on pit road so it's a car that won the champ that won the championship oh. open at daytona leads the race rodrigo fluca but uh, right behind him uh, so excuse me is leo lamellas but right behind him is the pole sitter uh, from peru 
Rodrigo Fluka. So the two South Americans, whoops, uh, battling for the lead. We see some offs further back. That's kind of a 54. Like the 54 and the 44. Or no, it's the 12. 54 yeah, and the 12, the 12 have gone together. Number tw both of those two cars making their debuts this weekend. It's David Murray in number 54 for the uh, MRT Motorsports entry, MLT Motorsports make entry out of Atlanta making its debut. And uh, for David Murray, this is his first time in a prototype since 2001 when he did the uh, 24 hours of, Le of Le Mans. He'll be sharing that number 54 car with his son, Dylan Murray. Leo Lamellis moving his car from side to side down the back straightaway, trying to get temperature in the Michelin tires and perhaps trying to dissuade the 47 car behind. And across the line, side by side, Fluker around the outside into turn one. And back in front, and a problem for the 7-0 in turn 17. Another car involved. Damage to the back of the 70. Joel Janko and the nine car involved as well. A great first Jerry lap Crowell. there, by the way, by, uh, by car number 55. It was uh, the younger of the Rager brothers, Nico, who started that car last on the grid in 25th position. He crossed the line at the end of lap one in 12th. As happens occasionally in turn 17, a car will get on the bumps and lose it, and that's exactly what happened to the 70 of Joel Janko. And the Jerry Kraut behind him really had nowhere to go. Both of those cars have moved on their own power and returned either to the track or to pit lane. But you hate being caught up in someone else's incident. But that is one of the challenges of this racetrack. The bumps, meanwhile, out in front, 47. Rodrigo Fluker with that great run around the outside of Leo Lamellis to take the lead. Stephen McAleer, who will be going it alone in the 43 right behind. That beautiful turquoise and blue. Very similar to his teammates' colors. But Stephen McAleer going it on his own. And this is going to be tough for those guys. The heat of the day and no help over an hour and 45 minutes around Sebring Raceway. And Leo Lamellis in second position, still weaving from side to side on the straight. So Stewart's not going to like that. Yeah, I, a first lap, maybe he can get away with it. But uh, on the second lap, when everything's up to temperature, up to speed, they're not going to be too happy with that one. They'll be, they'll be keeping a close eye on car number 47. Gave him the benefit of the doubt on yeah. lap one, Jeremy. Thought he was looking to get some temp and pressure in his tires. Perhaps the handling not the way he wanted it. But at this point in time, he should have the tires up to temperature, and they should have good grip. So, yeah, as you said, officials may not like that, and this is just how close it can be down in turn one. Cars side by side, and that's the great thing. The downforce on these prototypes allows for close racing. As you see, the 64 with a great move. That's Naveen Rayo, and what a great job he has done working his way into being comfortable in this prototype machinery. And when you look at his background, you would not be surprised to see that it's he's thought this through. He's a neuroscientist and an engineer by education from Duke University. He went to Stanford to get his master's in electrical engineering and also has a Ph.D. in computational neuroscience. Yeah, yeah, you know arguments about anything <laughs> at all. 
uh, from me for Naveen Rao. And, you know, relatively new to the sport. He only started racing a couple of years ago. Uh, stepping up here into this championship, which is a competitive championship, along with a very experienced driver, former IndyCar driver, former IndyCar winner in Alex Barron, uh, who's also making his come back to racing he's been out of the sport for quite a long time in terms of actually driving but loving driving these uh these uh, uh, lmp3 cars and naveen rao he's he qualified very very well this morning up in the sixth position running fifth in the early stages so he's getting the hang of this pretty quickly and he's running at the head of a five car train right now he's got rob hodis behind him in the 51 the 23 anthony simone at, who has moved well up yeah, the order from 23rd yeah. on the grid Shows the pace that he has as he's trying to work his way up to the front. Remember, there will be a pit stop. I'm sure that they wanted to see a full course caution when we had cars off in the first lap or two. Yeah, he'll, and, and he'll have to Simone, do it on he, his own here. He's another driver who's uh, going to be doing this race solo as, uh, as Stephen McAleer moves himself up to second place ahead of the number four. Rodrigo Fluker out in front. Stephen McAleer now up to second place as Leo Lamellis falling down the order just a little bit. Those are three cars that we've seen throughout the weekend in practice and qualifying with great speed. And this battle continues down into turn one. Maurice Smith in the red and white, number 11. Part of that as well as he looks up the inside, trying to get past the 5-5, the 55. Nico Rieger, Rieger on his way up from that starting position at the back of the pack. Yeah, 15 positions already is uh, Nico Rigas. Number 23 car up from 23rd to 6th. Number 55 car from 25th to 10th. Excellent first three laps from those, both of those two drivers. Look at that Joel Janko car, car number 70. And he carries that number, by the way, because this is, this is his 70th year. It'll be 70 in May. Uh, Joel's got some damage to the, uh, to the back end of that number 70, Ligier. Anthony Simone absolutely flying. Has now taken over the fourth position. David Grant. The victim there as he's moved back in the order to fifth. The 23 on a march to the front. You have to be a little bit careful with is if you're the only driver in that car, yes, you can burn off tires by pressing too hard in the beginning, but he has to keep think about his physical mm -hmm. endurance and make sure that he doesn't use up too much energy here in the opening stages of this race trying to move himself forward. That's uh, absolutely true. And uh, that qualifying session this morning certainly upset the, uh, the overall order in terms of pace of the cars. And now the, uh, the sort of kind of rightful pace order settling down, at least for the, for the first of two drivers. And most of these cars will have a change of driver at around about the half-distance mark. Jim McGuire falling back a little bit. A great run that he had in qualifying in the 26th, but now back in 11th. The fourth car in this train right here. And just, ooh. Close call down in turn 17 at turn in. I don't think the handling of the 26 is to his liking. Seems to have fallen off a little bit. We've got one car diving into pit lane. And that's going to be way too soon to do a driver change. Minimum time, 40 minutes in the car. Couldn't see the car number. 64. It's Naveen Rao is on pit lane. And he had that good run going. We were just talking yeah. about what a great run. Rao had had, but now he's on pit lane. Jump start penalty for Naveen Rao. That's what we're uh -huh. seeing on timing and scoring now. So he'll serve the drive through and get back out. That is costly.
great battles all around the 3.75 miles here at Sebring as McGuire down into the hairpin has to go around the outside of the number 11 spun there, Maurice Smith backwards there and it'll be interesting to see whether there was contact that turned Smith around or a lot of times with these cars heavy braking the car will dance on the nose just a little bit easy to get the car turned around backwards there as Smith now off the racing surface see if he can get his Ligier refired and it's one of the two sim raceway motorsports cars for this weekend uh, Morris Smith and Nico Ronde, they they made their series debut at Daytona. Replay here. Maybe Does it on his own? Movie. Just on his own, isn't he? Right ahead of uh, Bradley Baker, I think that was. That was awfully tight. Uh, new fastest lap last time around, by the way, by the second place car. That's car number, uh, car number 43 of Stephen McAleer at a two minutes point. Uh, it was two minutes point one six two, but on this next lap, just completed the car's leaders heading into turn one. It was the race leader Rodrigo Fluca who took back that uh, fastest lap, the one fifty nine point eight two two. Back at the fifty five, Nico Rieger leads into one, and then a little bit further back, this six car train stays there as the seventy four pops out down the front straightaway. Wyatt Schwab. Looking to improve as the battle heads towards turn one. Jim McGuire sits in the middle of that battle in the red, white, and blue number 26. Now in front leading, it's the 19 of Bradley Baker. This six cars have been stuck together the entire race and damage on the rear wing of Joel Janko. After that spin, it's actually the bodywork, after that spin and the contact with Jerry Rouse, Jerry Kraut, I should say, in turn 17. I imagine they'll continue to try to run that as 75 Cameron Castles. There's an interesting story. Cameron Castles has three broken ribs. We talked about this in practice yesterday. Three broken ribs that he suffered in a go-kart accident a few weeks ago. The good thing is they're on the right side and not on the left side, but still turn one has to be incredibly uncomfortable for Castles in that 75 as he goes through there and the, you load and the right I mean, side ribs press up against I, I, the look, seat? I, I've broken rig, ribs before. Luckily, I haven't had an awful lot of fractures in my life. Don't touch wood. But broken ribs was one I did have, and it was incredibly painful. Uh, I, mine was broken, actually broken twice, which makes it kind of worse because then they kind of fold in on themselves. <laughs> Trust me, that's not, uh, not at all good fun. As a yellow flag is out uh, as the cars complete, the leaders complete lap six. Smith unable to get his Ligier refired, so we're going to have to go full course caution. That is good for several drivers who had problems, good for Naveen Rao, who had to serve that drive-through penalty for the jump start. And for drivers who started in the back, you look mm. at Anthony Simone, who was moving forward about 13 seconds off the leader. Well, that's going to put him right there on this restart. Yeah, and uh, Nico Riga as well in column 55 up into the sixth position. So great news for both of those two. It's exactly what they were looking for. And now they'll get the field gathered up. And the other thing it's going to do is for those drivers who've been pressing hard, trying to work their way up from the back, it's going to give them a chance to cool down tires, cool themselves down just a little bit, a little rest, so they can attack when we go back to green. And even though we went yellow 
the yellows out before the cars actually reach the start finish line. New fastest lap of the race on that lap for our race leader, uh, Rodrigo Fluka, at a 1 minute 59.752. He is the only driver in the race to get below two minutes. Steve McAleer in second place at 2 minutes 0.1. And a couple of places behind him, Anthony Simona uh, in column 23. We talked about him having been started in the way back in the 23rd position in column 23. He's also turned the 2 minutes uh, 0.2 as well. So those are the three quickest cars. Uh, Leo Lamellas in the car that started on the front row and led the first uh, couple of laps. His best lap so far is a 2 minutes 1.8. So he's a couple of seconds off the pace of the early leader in this stage, but still a long, long way to go. I'm going to have you take your race fan and announcer hat off, and I'm going to have you put your official hat on. (laughs) Yes. What are you going to say to Mr. Fluker, who just set his fastest lap of the race while there was a yellow flag in turn 11 and a stalled car (laughs) on the outside of the racetrack? Yeah, I've got got to think he was was already way past. I'm hoping he was way past. The car's uh, been there for two two or three laps, Jeremy. Yes, it has, isn't it? That's true. (laughs) No, well, no, no. It's been there for at least two. It has been there for a lap, you're right. Yes, I think I might be uh, calling down and saying, uh, what about the lifting off bit? Yeah, I'm not not suggesting that there's going to be a penalty that's handed out, but I might suggest that there will be a conversation that's had. You might be right. And a couple of other guys also set their fastest laps on that last uh, lap as well. There's been Nico Riga and Brad Baker as well. Brad Baker running in the... Ninth position. Who's the fastest? Who's the best place of the uh, bronze drivers? We're watching a replay again of uh, that the spin. We actually can't quite see the spin. It happens just out of our uh, vantage point. There it was after the turn in, uh, kind of as he got to the apex. Yeah. All of a sudden, that number eleven car turns around. That's Murray Smith, and uh, Mo had a bit of a a slide there. It stopped on the racetrack. You got it off the racetrack though. Well, that's that's what's that's interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if there was something mechanical that caused the spin. Yeah. Or if when he got it out of the way and off the racetrack, it died and the battery went flat trying to restart it. Batteries are so good anymore, it's hard to think that that would be the case. So it, it could have just been that he had some type of a mechanical problem and uh, broke in the middle of the corner. If you break a drive shaft or something like that, yeah. when the car is underdrive and loaded in the middle of the corner, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to think that that no. could have upset the balance of the car and caused it to spin. But they had yep. to go retrieve him at any rate, and that is good news for some of these drivers. Full course caution, an hour and 29 minutes left to go. This is an hour and 45-minute race, much shorter than the opening round at Daytona. Yeah, much shorter, you're right. And uh, the, uh, as a result of this caution, it's, uh, there's some pretty substantial gaps have been opened out, particularly towards the front of the field before this full course caution. The gap from first and second, first two seconds, about three and a half seconds, then five seconds back. From him to the third place car, and then another four seconds back to the fourth place car, another four point second, four seconds back to the fifth place car, and six seconds back to the sixth. So they were well spread out, those leaders. Uh, better part of uh, 20, sec- 20 seconds covering that top six, but now those gaps have been completely erased for when we go back to green. And you wonder too, especially for a driver like Stephen McAleer, once again, he's going to soldier through this as the only driver of the 43, you, you look at that and you, and you think this full course caution is good for him. It allows him to rest a little bit, as we were saying, gives him a chance to kind of regroup and rethink and settle down just a little bit 
vast yeah. majority of the other drivers are going to have a co-driver step in. Four individuals doing it on their own this weekend, Stephen McAleer being one of those, and it kind of gives you that opportunity to reboot. And Anthony Simone, of course, yeah. in the number 23 car. He's right up yeah. there in contention now, having started at the back, worked his way forward. This is great news, particularly for him, because uh, he was uh, quite a way back from the overall leader. And when he gets ready for the restart, the number 23 car is going to be right there. That's the Alianza Gilbert Motorsports entry. And, uh, and it'll be Anthony Simone from Canada, who's been around racing for a long, long time. But been out of kind of the out of the limelight for several years. He 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 started did some F two thousand oh, a long time ago, not probably better part of twenty years ago, I think. And afterwards, did quite a bit of NASCAR Pinted Series racing north of the border in Canada. Uh, but uh, saw the opportunity to come back with uh, LMP three last season. Had a good good first season back uh, in these cars. And now he's joined that uh, Alianza Gilbert Motorsports team and looking for a strong season. Certainly started off strongly in this race. Lights off. On the Corvette safety car. So we should be going green this time by. And now if you're Stephen McAleer, you got to think, how do I want to make this move? How do I want to do this attack? And I would think if I'm that individual pilot who's going to have to do the whole thing, I want this position now. I want to get it done. I want to get it out of the way and be in front. So when we come in for pit stops, I can kind of set my pace pit when I want to pit when the window's open for me and kind of control the race a little bit better. If you've got a co-driver in the car, uh, you know, yeah, you always want to lead races. Don't get me wrong. You want to make passes when they're available. But I don't think it's quite as important if you've got a co-driver in the car. I think for Stephen McAleer, he, he needs to get it done. He wants to get it done now. He'd like to because when the pit stops come along, it'll be another driver taking over the wheel a number 47 car. it be Austin McCusker uh, takes over the wheel of that car. So it'll take Austin you know, a lap or two to get fully up to speed. So if Stephen can be ahead of him before that round of pit stops, have a good pit stop, rejoin still in the lead, an opportunity to pull out a bit of a breathing space uh, be, 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 before they get down to the real nitty-gritty part of the race. But uh, the, the restart will be interesting because Rodrigo Fluker really doesn't have a lot of experience of driving at this sort of level in this sort of pow as powerful a car. Stephen McAleer, it's been a big learning curve for him stepping up from, from basically sedans he's driven for the last few years into this prototype. Levin is out of the way after the spin in turn seven. We're back to green flag racing. You see the black and silver 47. Rodrigo Fluker leads the field to green. And right behind him, Stephen McAleer. Takes a peek to the inside, but he just wasn't close enough on the restart to mount a legitimate move down into turn one. What can he do in turn seven? Through one and two, then the left-hander into a right-hand bend, then the left carousel, then a long sweeping right-hand turn down the straightaway and into the hairpin, turn seven. This is a great place to make the move, but once again, I don't think Stephen McAleer is close enough. No. That's that's fine. He'll be, you know, he's he's very experienced, this Stephen, in, in all sorts of different cars. We see a challenge now for third place. Anthony Simone looking to the inside of Leo Lamelas, not quite able to make that move stick. But Rodrigo Fluca, the 22-year-old from Lima, Peru, what a great restart that was in the lead of the race. Well, and looking back to third place and Leo Lamelas, we talked about the amount of movement he has shown in that car down the back straightaway, and he's showing it again, yes, and that's what kept. 
the 23 behind him into the break zone of the hairpin. The officials, I would think, are not going to be pleased with what they're seeing out of the 23 right no, now. No, I think heading into turn 10, tw- it was I'm a sorry, slightly defensive move as well. But this time, down to the inside goes Simone at turn oh. 12. And, but he got sideways coming off. I think he was clipped by uh, Lamellis there. He got sideways. That certainly wasn't Lamellis' fault, uh, the, the incident there. Uh, Simone dived to the inside, got the car to the... Uh, to the apex of the corner in the lead, but then the car snapped sideways, and it was definitely a little bit of contact between those two. About 460 horsepower or so in the V8 that's in the back of the prototype challenge class. You see the 23 down to the inside, Anthony Simone. And I don't know there's a piece of debris. I don't know that he hits him or not. I think he tightens his hands coming off the corner, and in doing so, on the throttle, lights up the rear Michelin tires, and that's what causes his car to get a little bit loose. That's exactly what it was, Brian. It wasn't contact between those two. It was indeed uh, just that debris that was thrown up, but that'll be uh, certainly distracting for Lamellis. Fluker has checked out in just a lap, has already been able to pull out over a second on Stephen McAleer. I didn't expect to see that type of performance on this restart. Wyatt Schwab in the number 74 having... A good run. Everybody stacked up once again because of that full course caution and the restart. David and Grant. A good restart, excuse me. A good restart there for David Murray in car number 54. That's the car that uh, was involved in a, in a, a bit of a, a mishap early on, on in the race when a car spun in front of David Murray. But uh, on that restart, uh, David's already made up uh, four or five places from 20th up into to uh, 17th and looking to make some more next ahead of him in that number 54 car. It's the number 86 driven by Paul LaHaye. Nico Rieger up to 6th after they started towards the back and the 60 now on pit road. Yeah, that's Bruce Hamilton. That's the car he will be sharing with Tony's Kazimitz. They had a great run at Daytona. Uh, in the opening round of the championship to finish in the third position. And Tony Skazimitz actually set the fastest lap of the race in the closing stages at, at Daytona. So it's to Tony's this morning, super happy with the car, looking forward he was to getting behind the wheel. But this is uh, too early to be a scheduled stop for car number 60. David Grant in the 40 has shown great speed all weekend long. Right now behind him, Nico Rieger in the red 55, really beginning to put pressure on David Grant. Grant, one of those drivers who didn't want to see that full-course caution. It's allowed the likes of Nico Rieger, Rieger right up behind him and challenging at the end of the back straightaway. And a good challenge into turn one last time around. be interesting to see if Rieger in the 55 can get by Grant. Yeah, David's doing a really good job there. He's the best place of the uh, uh, bronze category drivers in the race so far. I think Jim Griffith, who engineers that 40 car and runs that team, I think they've done a great job with the shock package. He got off turn 17 and pulled Nico Rieger down towards turn one that time. The car looks very stable over the bumps. And good battles everywhere. The 51 and 52 right behind them, Rob Hodis and Mike Gouache. New fastest lap of the race that time around for our race leader, 159.432 for Rodrigo Fluke. He pulled out a half a second 
over the second place car, Stephen McAleer, uh, and uh, in third position, Anthony Simone. He was in the 59s as well. The top three cars then all in the 59s on that last time around. Fourth place car, Leo Lamellis, championship leader, let's not forget, having won the opening round at Daytona. His best so far on that last lap was a two minutes 1.4. That's a full two seconds off the, the pace set by Rodrigo Fluca at the front, front in that 47 motorsports car number 47. Side by side through the hairpin, you don't see that very often, but the battle a little bit further back, the 70 really pressing hard, damaged that car because of the spin for Joel Jenko down at 17, but some hard-nosed racing going on. In prototype challenge, the car's damaged already, so he's going, well, slide down the inside of somebody. It's not going to really matter. It's scratched already, right? right. Yeah, Joel's having fun (laughs) out there. He's from Key Largo in Florida. Great enthusiast. Great to see him doing a good job here. He'll hand over that car to a very well-known driver coach, Jonathan George, who will take over number 70 car in the closing stages. And Jonathan, yesterday in practice, was really quick. He was among the top five overall. Jonathan, very quick, as you said, and I was speaking to him at the IndyCar race in St. Petersburg last week, and see, on the bottom of our timing screen, I'll get back to Jonathan in just a second, car four, that is Leo Lamellas, we talked about his weaving on the bottom of the screen, car four, penalty, blocking, warning. Warning. So they're warning him right now, it's interesting, it says penalty, it kind of gets your attention, and then warning is the last word there, so the official's not pleased with what they saw as we suspected. But I was talking about Jonathan George, and he was saying these cars are so physical that he looks to another long race at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and he really feels like they're going to have to bring in a third driver. And if he was warned for blocking Leo Lamellis, the penalty may be handed down here in just a second because one more time into turn seven, a big move, or perhaps we're just seeing a replay, but... Yeah, that's strange. Well, Mellis is going to have to be on good behavior. Yeah, he's, uh, I think it must have been a replay because he's got a couple of seconds ahead of uh, David Grant, who is leading the bronze category at the moment. So we'll keep an eye on uh, on what happens there. But all battles all the way up and down the field. Number 51 car, which is coming through turn 10. That is Rob Hoders in the K21, the K2 Armour Sports team, principals, uh, team cars, and he is second of the bronze drivers at the moment, holding off number 52. It's another bronze driver, Mike Gouache, for PR1 Matheson Motorsports, in car number 52. That car making its debut in this championship this weekend. Also, of course, number 52 team, PR1 Matheson Motorsports, running a car in the Sebring 12 hours as well, the Mobile One uh, 12 hours of Sebring, presented by Advanced Auto Parts. That team looking for this LMP3 program to be a stepping stone into the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I was going to say, I, I spoke with Bobby Orgel yesterday, and he said exactly that. Bobby, known for his open-wheel program that he has run for years and still continues to do some of that, but he applied the same strategy here in sports car racing that he yeah. did in his open-wheel, and that was look to young drivers and give them a path to move forward. And by having cars in multiple series in a stepping stone series he's able to do that and work with the same young drivers as they move their way up that consistency and the professionalism of that program have really fostered several young drivers careers indeed and in scott huffaker there he's got a, a youngster who has an immense amount of talent and there's another young california youngster as well calder mcwinnery who may well 
who was trying to get a license to race here, but he's uh, he's only 15 years of age and wasn't able to, to get an IMSA license to be here this weekend. But the plan is for him to be uh, sharing that car with Scott Huffaker before too long. So two very talented youngsters. He still does have that open wheel connection, oh. Bobby Oracle. They run those both of those two kids in F4, Formula 4 on the West Coast last year. And a problem. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, I believe it's Joel Jenko in the 70. Oh, okay. Oops. Turn one, the car just breaks loose. And a pretty wild ride off to the outside. And that's dodging a bullet. Anytime you have yeah. a problem in turn one and spin and not make contact with anything, you've done well. You might want to <laughs> head to the convenience store down the way and buy a lottery <laughs> ticket because luck is on your side. So Joel Jenko, that... That car has been put through the wars today. Ooh, and, oh, that's Leo Lamels, yeah, that wasn't going to. That wasn't going to work. Turn and I 16. Think, was that Leo Lamels? I think it was number 60 car, wasn't it? Which is a lap down. He came out of the pits uh, and was uh, a lap down. Actually, a couple of laps down to the leaders. And I think, yeah, it was, wasn't it? That was Lamelis. That was an unnecessary move by the young Brazilian. I think that's over in the turn 13, 14, 15 area and it's it's very easy to lose patience and try to get something done to, you feel like the car in front of you has seen you yeah and you're like is he going to let me in is he going to let me in and you make that decision to go ahead and put the move on and then the door gets closed and i think that may have been what has happened and yeah. between the blocking warning that leo lamellas has gotten earlier and then that contact he has to clear his mind yeah and get rid of any emotion that he may have. I'm sure he's frustrated in the car. Looks up the inside, and then, yeah, it just it wasn't going to happen. No, that was, a, that was not a, a well-judged move by uh, Leo Lamez, but lack of, lack of experience showing there for the young Brazilian. Got up on the curb. The car jumped to the left and then made contact with the 60. exactly sure if that was the four or the 60 or another car that was stalled there i think it was probably the number 60 still we saw number 70 car just came through that was the other car that had some uh, strife on that last lap around meanwhile it was a new fastest lap of the race uh, on lap uh, 13 for rodrigo fluka 159.284 pulled out another four tenths of a second over stephen mcalear He's really got his hands full now with Anthony Simone in third position in car number 23. Those top three now well ahead of David Grant with Leo Lamellas having been involved in that incident. He's fallen all the way back down to the uh, 11th position. And David Grant really doing a fine job. The younger of the two Grant brothers in that Polestar motor racing entry car number 40. Very distinctive looking car. The yellow flags will fly again. And that's going to bring everybody back together one more time. So a little more than 30 minutes have elapsed. An hour and 45-minute race. Once we get to the 40-minute mark, it's the two-car that is being reported off course that they'll have to go get. That's Tim George. But that, they're saying in turn 15, but that doesn't. Yep, yeah, it is the two. It has the same color scheme as the 60. I wonder if Tim had the problem when he saw the car spin yeah, in front be. of him when we saw the issue with the 60. 
Looks like he's got it underway, and he's going to – what a great move, a professional move. It's right there by a cut. It looks like he may be trying to back it into the cut, or is he just backing it up to try to get back on track? There's another neurosurgeon. Is uh, Tim George again making his debut in the LMP3 cars. Made some starts in the, the old IMSA prototype lights category over the last several years. He's a, a professor at the uh, University of Texas Medical Center in Austin, one of the uh, leading uh, – Pediatric hospital, hospital or hospitals in general, I think, or certainly uh, research hospitals in the nation. And uh, Tim George is a uh, very accomplished uh, professional in, in the medical industry. Yeah, interesting to see the damage on the headlight. Uh, Tim George wasn't a part of the incident that we saw between Lamellas. And Bruce Hamilton, but the car was stopped in somewhat yeah. of the same area of the racetrack and a little bit of damage on that headlight cover. He's gotten it underway, but not before the officials thought the car was stalled and they were going to need to go get him. So we've gone full course caution. It should not last very long because the car has been moved on under its own power. Lights, in fact, just went out on the Corvette safety car. So we'll go back to green. And here's another opportunity to get a pass done for Stephen McAleer, see if he can get this restart timed a little bit better than he did the last time. He had no shot yeah. on the leader, Rodrigo Fluker, as they came down into turn one on that restart. And the incident involving Lamellas and the 60 of Bruce Hamilton is under review by race control. Yeah, you know, for Stephen McAleer and the, and the Robillard Racing team need to be running in second place in, in, in the the organization's just second race in this category. That's a pretty stout effort. So, yeah, they'll be pleased with that. They, they won't get too greedy. Stephen's been around the sport a long, long time and uh, is yeah, very experienced. He knows how to win championships. He knows how to run at the front and not get too greedy. Uh, the team is actually run by Mulner Motorsports that run 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 cars originally from, from Europe, but racing cars... Uh, running racing teams over here now based in in orlando florida so not too far from here this is one of the kind of home tracks along with daytona uh, the first round of the championship in uh, january but certainly to be running in the second place here and, and joe robillard the the team car is running very impressively back in 13th position in car number 10 well the officials may not be very happy with mr fluker on that restart he basically parked on the back straightaway he needs to maintain the pace of the safety car let yeah. the safety car get away, and then pick up his speed as he comes on the front straightaway. He really stacked everybody up. You saw a lot of cars having to bop and weave in the back. Yeah, some questionable tactics being employed by some of these young yeah, drivers, I, aren't there? There may be some conversations afterward. So. They may have a list in race control <laughs> of conversations that need to be had, and that really strung the field out. McAleer, no attempt that time into one, and I don't know that he'll be close enough as they head down into the hairpin does seem that Rodrigo Fluker has the ability, as soon as that green flag drops, to be right back up to speed. He doesn't have to build back up to it. He's right there. He is, and these top three cars, all Norma M30 chassis, the best of the Ligiers in fourth position. That's David Grant for Polestar Motor Racing. Was that him running a little bit wide down there at, uh, at the hairpin? He's still running a very, very fine fourth place. Best of the uh, Bronze Cup contenders at this stage in the race. Michael Gouache 
in the sixth position. Car number 52 is second of the uh, bronze drivers. Rob Hodas is third. He's in the eighth position overall. And then next up would be Bradley Baker in car number 19 running 10th. One of the th- oh, and a problem. Oops, that's, oh, that is Bradley We always Baker. say yellows breed yellows because it puts everybody back together. And lo and behold... Yeah, that sky blue and white car, I'm pretty sure, is Brad Baker, one of the performance tech machines. Let's have a look. Maybe we can see what happens. Yeah, car gets down the inside. That was number 75. That's Cameron Castle. That's his teammate for performance tech motorsports. He was kind of poking his nose in there. The two Canadians, one from the uh, well East Coast and one from the West. And, uh, yeah, yeah, there'll be a conversation there, certainly, after the I was race. I going to say, I would think Cameron would like to have that one back. And yeah. he's going to think, well, you're sitting on the right side of the car. You should have seen me i i hear the conversation right now going on you should have seen me and you should have left room so that will be i'm sure it'll end up being we agree to disagree probably when was a race car driver ever wrong anyway (laughs) having been one i know i was yeah absolutely as my father used to say i thought i was wrong once but i was mistaken One thing about this Norma chassis, a lot of the teams feel like that it is a better straight-line car. The incident involving the 19 and 75 is now under review. And meanwhile, the number four, Leo Lamella's incident responsibility, he'll have a drive-through penalty with the 60 and heavy damage now on the 52. Mike Gouache, who had had a good run, he was up in sixth. And uh, he was challenging number 55 car of... uh, Nico Rega looks like he's lost it on the exit of turn one, has spun all the way across the road. Have we seen that before? Yeah, I think we have, haven't we? Yeah, we have seen that before. It's a great pl- shame because that, that team, PR1 Mathis and Motorsports, made a really good debut this weekend. And tell you what, as soon as I heard that Mike Guash and, uh, and Scott Huffeke were going to be driving, because Mike Guash wasn't actually entered in that car until just, well, yesterday was the first time I found out about it, day before, I guess. I had the, that those two uh, tipped for 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 having a really good result here. So Mike, will be re- Mike Gouache will be really disappointed to have that uh, pretty extensive damage to the back of that car. It's going to bring out the yellow flags once again. It'll be really interesting to see what transpired in that incident. One of the things about Turn 1, it's very bumpy. You need to be online. There's really not much margin for error. And if you get wide at all at the exit, the tarmac basically stops. And it, it turns into to grass and dirt very abruptly. So you can't get way wide. And from looking at the skid marks, it may be one of those things that Mike got a little wide, tried to tighten his hands out there yeah. and had to come off the throttle. A lot of times when you do that, you come off the throttle, the car decelerates, moves weight to the right front, and you've got your hands turned. Or he may have just dropped a wheel. You look to the upper left portion of the screen, you see the tire mark coming onto the exit curb. Gosh, a little bit slow getting out of the car. He's not a small he guy, and these cars no. are relatively compact. Yeah, he won't be a happy camper. Yeah. I think he's just trying to get things turned off and make sure that he has ignition switch turned off. He's a very experienced driver in these LMP3 machines. He is, uh, particularly uh, in, in Europe. And that's where he's going to be doing most of his racing this year as well surveying the damage before he wants to go with the medical guys. He's like, I I understand that I need to go, but I just want to check the car out a little bit beforehand. And this will bring out the caution. 
once again. And now we're starting to get into the pit stop window because I would fully expect cars can make it now with an hour and four minutes to go. Yeah, an hour and four minutes to go. So that means we've we've meet, reached the uh, forty minute threshold, haven't we? So yep. uh, it, the, uh, the 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 drivers can make a pit stop now and uh, and run to the end. But what they can't do, Brian, is make their pit stops under yellow. Exactly. So they'll have to wait till we go back to green. They can't then come in as it goes green. They have to take the green flag on the racetrack, and only after they've done so are they allowed to make their, their pit stops. The reason for that is because if some drivers had stopped under green flag conditions, somebody comes in under yellow, uh, they're able to lose a lot less ground to the leader than they otherwise Absolutely. do. So that just helps to even out the field. And that's a, a, a smart regulation that's been brought in uh, over, well, last year and this. Safety crews will go to work to remove the 52, and I think that's going to take a rollback as the car is no longer sitting on four wheels. And oh, oops. Hello, that's Brad Baker again, and looks like one of the answer cars spinning down. And maybe the number two car of Tim George. Maybe they got together again uh, during that caution period, have they? That's a bit embarrassing. Just but uh, the, the pit lane's going to be uh, pretty busy when we get... Uh, whoops. Oh, wow. That was the number two car. Just see, uh, appeared with sort of this kind of the tail end of a replay there. Just carrying way too much speed. Slammed into number 19. Spun that car around. And actually, the number 19 car then made contact with a completely innocent Paul LaHaye in car number 86. That's a one motorsports entry. That bright green machine. New colours on that car for this weekend. And uh, that was a really strange looking incident. was a very strange incident. Under full course caution. And there's damage to several cars because of it. There's the 19. Hmm. We'll drive away Bradley Baker, but the two damaged enough that driver climbing out up at the top. That's really bizarre. I, I guess all the I mean, those cars are all going really, really slow there. So I guess all I can think is perhaps Tim George was... Uh, checking his instruments or looking at something in the cockpit and was completely caught unawares of those cars slowing down uh, right in front of me because they were all running at pace car, safety car speeds before that, but they, they did seem to check up an awful lot going through that. That's the kink, isn't it, before uh, turn 10. So, so the 8 and 9 is that right-left kink through there, and I guess he must have just got ris- uh, distracted and didn't see the car slow down, and by the time he's realized it, there was nothing he could do about it, slammed into the back of the number 19 car of Bradley Baker. Right. I, <clears throat> I'm not often at a loss for words, but that one has me at somewhat of a loss yeah, for words. You, you've got radio communication with your team. The flags are out on all the stations. Yellows are out. And as you said, that distraction of perhaps relaying some information back to the crew um, just steals your, your attention away. And I, I think it's a great example even for – not just for race car drivers, but yeah. for those of us who drive on the street, for those people that you drive by and you see with their phone in the middle of the steering wheel as they're texting and driving, anything that takes your attention away is an issue. And we've seen it today on this racetrack. And certainly it's a good lesson to take with you in your street driving and the things that you do that distract you. I think that's exactly what it was. So now more wreckage to clean up on the racetrack before 
we can go back to green. And as you said, Jeremy, cars not able to come to pit lane during the full course caution. They will have to go back. And the problem that we're going to get into, if it lasts for too much longer, obviously we're under yellow, but the cars can run about an hour, and I don't expect this cleanup to last that long. But what happens is you kind of get into this no-man's land as a team if you – if you are green and you run the session too far and you start to get close to yeah. being out of fuel and it goes full course caution, now you've got a problem because you've got to circulate out there and try to make sure you're saving as much fuel as possible. Yeah, you're right. And and this, this uh, time of this, of this caution period, also unfortunately for number four car, that's already got that penalty, a drive-through penalty for incident responsibility with that earlier incident along with the number 60 car that had been a couple of laps down. If he'd have been able to serve that penalty before this caution came out, he'd be in really good shape. But he hasn't, uh, and so he won't be, basically, because he'll have to make two pit stops exactly. when we go back to green. One to hand over to Neil Albrico. Isn't it funny how things turn around? Because that team at Daytona won the race primarily because they made their, their driver change pit stop right before a full course caution. They were able to get their driver change done, get Neil Albrico Neil Albrico out in, out back into the race, and then once they went back to green, everybody else had to make their pit stops. So Neil Albrico was able to vault all the way through to the lead, and he had a lead of about a minute, which he then just controlled all the way to the checkered flag. But this time, the strategy is not going to work out in that team's favour. And I think they had actually kind of had an, had an opportunity, albeit a very brief one, with just a one green flag lap before we went back to yellow to make that stop. Uh, that penalty stop, it, uh, they'll be kicking themselves now for having not done so. Well, it's its one of those things that sometimes you use the strategy and you <laughs> win, and you go, well, that was a good strategy. Let's let's use it again, and then the next time you use it, you get bet. Yeah, well, that, but that, that, on the previous time, you know, they, they, they made the stop to call to come in early, yep. and this time they elected not to come in early and make the uh, penalty stop, so it's going to be costly. Well, I believe that, when Lamellis serves that penalty, he's going to, just like the pit stop, he'll have to take the green flag, yep. do a lap, come around, or can he serve it That's as, a good the, question. as the and green I'm comes out? I'm honestly not sure whether he can't do any service to the car, can't do the driver change, certainly. Whether he can come in and serve that penalty right away, I honestly don't know. But we will find out pretty shortly. You can tell that the teams are set up and ready to go because they know that they're in that window. They know that when they go back to green, they'll be making the stop. So yep. the crews are getting ready in the pit lane. The safety crews getting the damaged cars off the racetrack. That's a shame. So, oh yeah, the, the gentleman driver on the uh, on the tail of that car, Michael Guache, was one of four drivers. Uh, Rodrigo Gonzalez, Mike Guache, uh, Ed, Ed Brown, and. One more. They're, they're all subject to a, a full-length feature documentary film called The Gentleman Driver that is available now out uh, wherever, you, wherever you get those. So it's actually out on general release as well, but you can certainly get it online, The Gentleman Driver. I haven't had a chance to see it myself, unfortunately, but I heard it's really interesting and really good. It just gives uh, the, the, uh, the full background of what it's like to be uh, a, a, a professional, a top-level professional in, a, in in real life, let's say, but be a, 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 a professional driver also, albeit on an amateur level, uh, at the same time at, at, at top-level racing. A really interesting documentary, The Gentleman Driver, uh, I'm told, well worth a look. It's good to see Tim George walk over to the safety car and get in. He'll be taking 
to be examined just like every driver who has contact is, but he walked into the safety car on his own. That's always good to see, and Cruz working to get his number two, Ligier, on the rollback and get it out, and it looks like we've got some tire barriers that will need to be rearranged as well before we can go back to green. This is full course caution number three, isn't it? Yeah, number two car. That was the one that was the innocent victim uh, on this occasion. No, no luck at all there for uh, for Tim George. He had a an incident earlier on which cost him a couple of laps, and then this time he was completely minding his own business there in the towards the back of the pack, admittedly, but still running along. And unfortunately, uh, he was just caught unawares under that caution period, and he slammed into the back of the number nineteen car. So the other one might not have been his fault, but this one I'm afraid was. And I know for Mike Guash, he won't be happy with no. what happened in turn one. It appears that no one else was involved. And a lot of times as a driver, those are the ones where you know you can't hide mm -hmm. and you just have to kind of man up and said, say, hey, I made a mistake. But he was having a great run. It gives you an idea of just how good a driver he is. Yep. And he was running up towards the front. It gives you a good idea just how good his team is as well. Yeah, running in the sixth position was Michael Guash and uh, uh, was was actually putting the pressure on uh, Nico Rega, the youngster, or one of the youngsters in the field in car number 55, uh, as uh, on that on that restart, and apparently lost it in turn one. But Mike, you know, he'll he'll put his hand up if if it was his fault. He'll Absolutely. certainly put his hand up. He won't blame anybody else. That's for sure. He's. Uh, He's a, a very accomplished uh, – I talked about the Gentleman Driver movie and the fact that the, the four drivers who are featured in that movie who have you know, real lives elsewhere. He's a chemist, is Michael Guash. And uh, amongst his uh, his accomplishments are the, the molecule uh, suit clean, amongst many other cleaning products, uh, a, a product that keeps uh, race suits in, in tip-top condition, basically, without going through the, the, uh, the, the uh, wash and dry cycles. And also, his company I know is, is heavily involved in the in the vape industry as well. He's one of the leading chemists, uh, well, worldwide, quite frankly. Very accomplished man and useful driver. He was a a, a champion in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in the PC ranks four or five years yeah. ago with that same PR1 Matheson Motorsports team. And we talked about that in one of the practice sessions about the chemistry that you develop, and it's good to see. You know, Mike Guashi's races occasionally. He hasn't raced full-time here in the U.S. for a while. He's been spending a lot of time racing in Europe. But it's good to see when he comes back, he knows where he can go. He has that relationship with Bobby Orgel and the PR1 yeah. group. And um, it, 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 he heads back to PR1 Matheson Motorsport to do his racing. And I'm sure that when he called Bobby and said, hey, I want to come do this, Bobby was like, hey, let's, let's do it. We've had success before. You've got that chemistry. You've got that yeah. relationship, that trust, and off you go. Now, let's think about some strategy. Looking forward here, Rodrigo Fluker is going to be handing that car off, the 47 that's in the lead, started from the pole. He'll hand it to Austin McCusker. He finished second at Daytona, but right behind him, the other two Norma chassis that are right behind him, the 43 of Stephen McAleer and the 23 of Anthony Simone, They'll do it on their own. So those two guys are, are going it on their own. There'll be a driver change in the 47. Be interesting to see how well 
Stephen and Anthony are, are holding up. These cautions are good yeah. for them. Yes, it gives Very them a bit of a breather. The, the other team this, this, these cautions are particularly good for is a number 26 team. That's one of the KTR, K2R Motorsports entries. Uh, Jim McGuire, or James McGuire Jr., but Jim to everybody else, is running in the 14th position at the moment. Well in touch, obviously in touch with the rest of the field. He's right there. They're all in a line now, the top uh, 20 cars are still on the lead lap. 20, 21st position is Bruce Hamilton, the number 60 car that was involved in that incident uh, and a pit stop before that. Uh, but uh, for Jim McGuire, his co-driver, Matt Bell, was comfortably quicker than everybody else yesterday in the yeah. two practice sessions. So Matt, from the, the north of England, will be uh, rubbing his hands with glee. Can't wait to get behind the wheel of that car and he'll, he'll have that that chance at the earliest opportunity once we go back to green. But you talk about strategy as we were a moment ago, and a lot of these second drivers are the quicker drivers, yeah. but I'm sure these teams had planned to come in as soon as their fuel window opened. Uh-huh. This, these full-course cautions have shortened the time that some of the quicker drivers are going to be in the car, and it's shortened the time then that they've got to move forward. Indeed so. But furthermore, when the pits are open, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to come in and make their pit stop right away. That means the pit lane is going to be really, really busy. Uh, and you run the risk then of being held up by somebody else, perhaps coming in or going out of their pit stall. Uh, for some of the teams that have two drivers that are both quick, assuming they have the fuel uh, left and they should have because of all this caution period if they can stay out there for a few more laps they will be able to run clear laps uh, toward the front of the field and have clear run up into and out of the pit lane when they make their stops so that's something i would look forward to particularly the number 47 car of rodrigo fluka i would not expect him to come into the pits at the earliest opportunity nor indeed uh, any of the top uh, three uh, Steve McAleer or Anthony Simone behind him in number 43 and 23 cars. I would not expect them to come in right away. I would expect them to stay out a little bit, wait for the pit lane particularly to clear out, and then go back and then make their stops. Lights are out on the Corvette safety car, and Rodrigo Fluker out of turn 17 on the throttle hard. Another very slow restart where he stacked up the field. It's worked for him on the previous restarts it works again as Stephen McAleer just not able to hold on to that rear wing of the 47 in front race down into turn one is single file and everybody seems to be content right now to hold station oh and a rare mistake by Fluker I talked about how well he had done but right now a little wide of the first couple of apexes in the turn three four five area and that's allowed McAleer to close up. It has those top three uh, pretty much notes to tell as they head now down toward the hairpin. This is as close as McAleer has been heading into turn seven, but still not close enough. About a car length back, McAleer with a little wheel spin, a little twitch off the corner. Good late breaking there from Fluka in the lead, able to maintain that advantage as you go into the corner. No way for Stephen McAleer to make a move to the inside. McAleer sort of faints to the inside, maybe at turn 12, but really, or turn 10, I should say, but wasn't really thinking about part, making a pass, maybe just trying to distract the leader, hoping the leader's looking in his mirrors, maybe he'll make a mistake. But in fact, now it's McAleer who's under intense pressure from Anthony Simone in the third, third position. McAleer seems not to have been able to get his Michelin tires up to working temperature quickly, and Mm -hmm. that car moving around a lot underneath him 
And that has allowed the 23 to really mount an attack. Seeing the 43 slide, have a difficult time putting power down a little bit. And I think a lot of times as a driver, when you see the car in front of you struggle, as McAleer saw Fluker there in turn three and four, you kind of attack a little bit and you, you lose track of exactly what you've got to work with and what in, in turn you do is make the same mistake that the driver in front of you did. And Anthony Simone there in third in the 23 car was licking his chops, but the 23 now the first to come to pit lane and make pit stops. Two and a half minutes the cars will have to be on pit road from the time they break the beam at pit in until they break the beam at pit out. You see no driver change going on because, once again, Anthony will do this race solo as the battle up front. McAleer has been able to close back up onto Rodrigo Fluker. I think McAleer is a little bit better in the tighter sections of the racetrack, and Fluker seems to be better in the higher speed corners. And that could just be a setup issue. Perhaps one with a little more downforce than the other, one with a little different setup as far as mechanical grip goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised to see number 23 car come in. The first two did not stop, as I kind of expected. Number 47 and 43. Uh, David Grant, who I would have expected to come in in car number 40, he too stayed out there. And uh, I, I think uh, yeah, he'd be looking to run a good lap or two before he hands, his, uh, hands over to his brother, Keith. Leo Lamella's served his penalty. He's gotten that out of the way. He'll be able to pit now next time by if they want to do so and, and get in. The other thing you got to start thinking about, too, is now the other side of the drive time window begins to come into effect. 46 minutes left to go. You've got to get the other driver 40 minutes of time. And it's incidents like this that happen during that pit stop window when you want to come in that really cause you to take a deep breath. 33, Lance Wilsey in the twelve. Well, it was pretty well alongside. Well, sort of. It was a pretty half-hearted effort, wasn't it? He wasn't particularly... He needed to be more incisive, I would suggest. Yeah. And number 12 card is that goes for spin. That's Kevin Woods. His first race in Prototype Challenge. Indeed. And now, once again, as the leaders go through one, Fluker really seems to have the run off of 17. That car seems to work better than Stephen McAleer's number 43. And he's able to pull a gap there as David Grant now comes to the pits in his number 40. As you said, David will hand over to his brother Grant, or his, his, his brother Keith. <laughs> Two very accomplished drivers in the Formula Atlantic class. And you talk to him, and really these cars are, are similar. They've got a reasonable amount of horsepower, 460 the car weighs in the 2,000-pound range. So it's got a pretty good power-to-weight ratio, oh, yeah. good aerodynamics, good mechanical grip with the Michelin tires, and it's one of those deals that I think stepping from the open-wheel car into this car is a, a pretty easy transition. Stephen McAleer's dropped back from Rodrigo Fluker just a bit, and I would expect to see these cars on pit lane. You need to get in because the other driver needs to cross the line at pit out and have a little more than 40 minutes to go in the race so that they satisfy their minimum drive time. 
you're running right at two-minute laps and you've got to sit in pit lane for two and a half minutes, you, you've got to be in pit lane this time. Yeah, you have. Uh, and Because uh, if you don't come in now, you, you, you're probably not going to meet no. the 40-minute uh, the minimum. You're absolutely yeah. right. So these two cars, uh, there's number 55 car in third place, also has not yet made a pit stop, nor has number 33, number 64, number 75, and number 86. Those are the last cars uh, that will need to make their pit stop. You really want a good drive Ooh, off. Shoot. McAleer stayed Stays out, that's but that's risky. okay. He's got, he has as the long as he doesn't go full course caution. But he has the option to do that. Remember, as a single driver, his lap, his well, true, drive time is done. Of course, you're so right. Beg your pardon. He's got a little bit bigger window. I hadn't yep. thought about that, Jeremy, well until I saw him stay out on the track, and all of a sudden it occurred to me he doesn't have to worry about that time. What he needs to do now is put in a spectacular lap time. That's right. He wants to stay out to see if he can get a really good lap time in, and that per- will perhaps allow him that when he does his stop, he'll come out in front of the 47 as Austin McCusker will be behind the wheel of the 47 when it returns to the track. And the uh, number 55 car, though, who he is pushing the limit. That's Nico Riga in car number 55. He will be handing over to his older brother, uh, Timo, at the round of pit stops. So he really does need to get onto pit lane pretty sharply. The four is in. Leo Lamellis. He had served his penalty. Now he's due his driver change. And it's as we were saying, two and a half minutes the car has to sit on pit road. But for your co-driver, there needs to be more than 40 minutes on the clock when you go out of pit lane and cross that beacon because the minimum drive time, 40 minutes. So some of these teams cutting it very, very close. Yeah, it's really just the number 55 car now. That's the only one, I think, of the drivers that has not yet stopped that uh, that needs to, that will runs the risk of not uh, doing the 40-minute minimum. And uh, even if they decide not to change drivers for any reason, they try to just keep it low with Nico, uh, that won't work either because uh, Timo has qualified or has, has is qualified to drive the car and he's entered in a race, so therefore has to do his minimum 40-minute stint. A, a late change of strategy just to win a single driver ain't going to cut it. Yep. Matt Bell now behind the wheel of the 26, and... There's Stephen McAleer on pit lane. No driver change there. He'll sit in the car for two and a half minutes while the service is done, or sit in the car for a while until service is done. It's just two and a half minutes from the time he breaks the beam at pit in until pit out. And it's so critical that your pit lane speed is correct. The team knows how long you've been sitting still, and they know how long it's going to take you to get to the beam at pit out. And that math has to be done correctly or they can get you out too early and that will draw a penalty. And any other seconds that you're over, well, that costs you time on the racetrack. It, it, it does. And the number 23 car, that is going to be, uh, that's, I think uh, it's made its pit stop and is now kind of ahead of the cars that have made the pit stops. Behind him, number 51, number 40. And uh, the number 33 car, by the way, Lance Wills, he's another uh, driver going solo yep. in this race. So he doesn't have to worry about that driver minimum time. He can stay out there as long as he's alive. He's going to lead most likely next time around. 
and he is leading as it is now the bronze category, the bronze cup category uh, in uh, car number 33, the Sean Creech Motorsports Ligier. Think about this as well. You you have plenty of time as the solo driver when you come in to to do the stop, but any fuel that you put in, you don't have to fill it. Right. So you, you can have a lighter weight car when you go out there if you've stayed out on the track longer because now you've got a shorter period of time to run to the checkered flag. That, in and of itself, is going to give you a performance advantage. It doesn't give you an advantage because the stop is shorter because, once again, the time on pit road is fixed, but it does give you a lighter weight car to deal with. And Lance Wilsey, actually, in that car number 33, has just turned his best lap of the race on that last lap. He's not going to be shown as the leader on that lap because Stephen McAleer did uh, cross the uh, start-finish line uh, ahead of him. So he is classified as the overall leader. I'm confused with something, and that is Nico Rieger still being shown in the 55, and it's being shown on the racetrack. And if that's the case, we're under 40 minutes to in, go. I think he's been. I think he came in that last time, didn't he? 47 and yes, 23. He just came. Yeah, he's just now going down the order. So, so 47 car, the number 33 car, by the way, has gone through to complete lap 26. He has not yet made a pit stop. Everybody else is uh, one lap down, and the number 47 car got got out of the pits. Having made a stop a lap later, number 23, got out ahead of him on the road. So that is now effectively the battle for the lead between number 47 and number 23, car number 51, which is Garrett Grist, having taken over from Rob, Rob Hoders in car number 51, who will be next on the road ahead of Keith Grant, who is in one, two, three, fourth position of those who have made the pit stops in car number 40. We'll have to wait until things cycle through. As you said, Lance Wilsey being shown in the lead. There's the 43 of Stephen McAleer, and he's closing down on the 33 just in front of him. I think the thing that's important, though, is when you look out at these cars coming at you on the racetrack, what you see is the 47 is behind the 23, so the 20 or the 43, the 43 of Stephen McAleer did indeed turn that great lap, and being fresh in the car, knowing what the car was like, or should I say, being in the car and knowing what the car was like, being familiar with it, he was able to get right back up to speed. And what that's done is he's able to make that pass effectively in pit lane while yeah. the 43 was in pit lane. Yeah, or 47, right. I should say. And there is uh, our, our race leader. Oops, there's a spin there for, well, that's the car of uh, Scott Andrews. Okay, that's the car that uh, started by Jerry Kraut but didn't complete a lap. And uh, I'm not quite sure who's driving that car at the moment, whether it's uh, Jerry or whether it's Scott Andrews. McAleer now past Wilsey, so he takes the lead on the racetrack. No, he'd be a lap behind him because he hasn't yet made a pit stop. You are correct. I stand corrected. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but a good battle there between the number uh, 43, number 47, and the number 23. So the top three, as they were before that round of pit stops, Still very much in contention, and I'm watching out for number 26 of Matt Bell, who's uh, in the one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, eighth position, uh, seventh position of those that have made their stops in car number 26. He's flying. He's right on the tail now of uh, Max Hanratty in car number seven. Now McCusker 
works his way around Wilsey. And as you so aptly pointed out, and I missed, that may be what it looks like on the racetrack, but Lance Wilsey's still with the lead. He has not pitted yet. Be interesting to see how far he can go. Remember, with the yellows that we've had, you get great fuel mileage under the yellow, and the car will run just about an hour, maybe an hour, five minutes or so, on a load of fuel. So I would think that he would be coming up to a point where he's going to need to pit here in the next few minutes. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in this lap. And the one thing for sure, Austin McCusker is glad to see the the 33 there because he's making it really, really difficult on Anthony Simone in the 23. Must have been a bad pit stop for number 55 because that's come out a long, long way back down the order. In the early stages, that car was running in the fifth position, but it's now way back in 16th after the pit stops. Simone looks to the outside of Wilsey through 17. That's a risky move because you get out there on the gray and the marbles. If he stays there, he'll have the inside into turn one. It looks like he's going to get it done. Lance Wilsey, though, did not make it easy by any stretch of the imagination. He's out there, and I'm sure he has a big smile on his face. Great guy, great competitor. And look, you can never get him out of the car. He's, he's such an enthusiast. I was talking to some of the crew guys yesterday, and they came in and did a, did a test uh, recently, did a, an eight-hour test, and they had a hard time getting him out of the car at all during the day. So uh, running solo around here for him is not going to be a problem at all. Well, and he has two chassis, and the crew said, we're really glad he bought another one because we can take him testing, and he can run that one into the ground while we're actually yeah. working on the race car. Yeah. So he'll have something to race because as you said getting him out of the car is near impossible we were talking about co-drivers he had one at daytona only because he had to because of the length of the race it was mandatory to have two drivers yeah that's right exactly and nigel greensaw from another veteran driver from from the uk came over and shared that car with him did a really good job too um but uh yeah lance he, he i mean he's turning his best laps up last time around because of that traffic or being overtaken cost him a little bit of ground but the previous lap was his fastest lap of the race but his previous two laps were his fastest of the race so far so you know with that fuel load burning off and with those michelin tires still in really really good shape he is turning his best laps of the race so far in car number 33 still leads this motor race any race tire is going to quote go off lose a little bit of performance as you run it but they say these michelins are very good yeah they kind of lose their magic in the first couple of laps but as the drop-off happens it happens very gradually and then it reaches a a point where it just stays very well balanced for the rest of the stint so right now lance wilsey with a very lightweight car and some good michelin tires on it as you said turning impressive lap times and not making it easy for anybody to get by we'll see if he pits this lap no (laughs) I'm really beginning to wonder how far the car can run. We're closing in well, look, on 33 minutes to go. Again, that was his best lap, a 203.2, so he clipped off three-quarters of a second on that last lap. Look, he's learning from these quick guys who are out there going past him. There's, there's, we've, we had, when, uh, after he'd made the pit stops, there were only, he was on the lead lap by himself, but the, the top four cars behind him and the overall the battling effectively for the overall lead of the race, they've still they've passed him now with the last few laps. So there's now five cars actually shown on the lead on lap, lap officially. But he's learned from each of them, and he's going faster and faster and faster at the wheel of that uh, 
beautifully livid, the red, white and blue, or white, red and blue, number 33 for Sean Creech Motorsports. Dave House with a problem at turn one the last time by, and that will get your attention if you're a fan on the outside of the turn, and it'll certainly get your attention if you're sitting behind the wheel of the car when it does that, but managed to avoid any issues there and got the car back on track. And If if Lance doesn't pit this lap, I'm – I mean, he's got it. He has to stop. There's no way he can go an hour and 45 minutes unless they put another good point, fuel actually. cell in it. And I'm sure it's mandatory that you stop. Yeah, yeah. So at some it point is. in time, he needs to be in. But good for hats off for him. I mean, you know, he's, he's led uh, now the last uh, four laps. He's uh, getting some airtime. He's doing a beautiful job as well. Hats off to him. And he's no spring chicken uh, either, Lance. You know, he's been around uh, for, this, uh, for this sport a long, long time, driven all sorts of different cars. Uh, he's done the Daytona 24 hours several times in the past, the Rolex 24, uh, but I'm loving driving these LMP3 Ligiers. And he's in, I mean, he's in great physical shape. Like you said, he's hes not a teenager, but um, just takes care of himself, loves to drive his vintage cars. Yeah. And really enjoys this P3. He's in this time. Battle for second place heating up now between number 47, number 23, and closing in on both of those two is Garrett Grist. Behind them, just a couple of positions back, but quite a long way back on the road. There goes number 26 across the line, and he's just turned the, the best lap of the race last time around. That's Matt Bell at Wheeler Car number 26. Lance Wilsey pits from the lead. An hour and f- almost 15 minutes on the first fuel load soldiering on he'll stay in the car doing this solo and it could be that the crew was telling him to pit but he just didn't want to we were talking about how much he enjoys drive the car it was a very long stint and helped out of course by full course cautions but we'll see is now pitted Stephen McAleer will take over the lead and I think great strategy on the part of that Joe Bullard, Joe Robillard racing yeah. team to keep Stephen McAleer on the racetrack yeah put in really good lap as Fluker had to pit and put the time in on the racetrack and after his pit stop came out with track position in the lead. Exactly and and, and taking advantage of the fact number 47 car of Austin McCusker you know he took over from Rodrigo Fluker so it took him a lap or two to get up to speed and that does enable Stephen McAleer in that number 43 car to pull out a pretty substantial lead. It's now over six seconds over that battle for second and third between number 47 and number 23 with the uh, number 51 of Garrett Grist closing. This race far from over, just inside 30 minutes to go, but now is when you begin to wonder about the physicality of this racetrack and the shape of the driver after an hour and a half in the car, an hour and 45 minutes at the checkered flag, while that worked into Stephen McAleer's favor on that pit stop, having to have Austin McCusker kind of get up to speed as he came out. Now Austin McCusker is going to be fresher because he's in a short stint. He only had 40, a little more than 40 minutes or so once he got in the car, and Stephen McAleer will have an hour and 45 minutes in the car. So different strategies at play so far it has worked to the favor of Stephen McAleer but with 29 minutes to go we'll find out just how quick a fresh Austin McCusker is yeah 
It's going to be pretty interesting, I think. But another second that, that number 43 car was able to pull out last time. By the way, he's not leading the race yet because the, short, well, the that, that's, uh, number that's, 33 that's, car, he had a whole lap on the field. So it's not going to be until the next time around, which is, where are they? Half, they're more than halfway around the lap, are they? Uh, but uh, it'll be next time across the start-finish line that Stephen McAleer in oh. car number 43 will officially take the lead. And some excitement that's down Dylan in Murray, turn one. Isn't it? Is that Dylan Murray? I think so. Big battle there for 10th, 11th, and 12th, number 64. Uh, no, no, number 7 and 50. It was 54, wasn't it, that was off the road there, I think. That was uh, Dylan Murray's running in the ninth position and dicing away there with uh, Max Hanratty in car number 7 right ahead of him. Tell you what, a fresh Austin McCusker is very quick. Very quick indeed. Because he's beginning to close down on Stephen McAleer. Each corner a little bit closer, a little bit closer. 28 minutes is going to seem like an eternity to Stephen McAleer. And that red and white number 47 just looming larger and larger in the mirrors. I said red and white. I meant meant black. The red and white 23 is there with Anthony Simone as well. So there goes McAleer across the line. and So Austin McCusker has Anthony Simone stuck to his wing, and they're closing down on Stephen McAleer. About a half a second, sometimes three-quarters of a second a lap. They've got about... Seven seconds, just over seven seconds between Austin McCusker and Stephen McAleer. Around two-minute lap time, so expect another 13 laps or so. They've got plenty of time to get this done, and I'm sure that's exactly what their crews are saying on the radio. Press hard. Keep doing what you're doing. At this pace, you will catch him. Obviously, traffic a part of that as well. And where you catch it, Colin Thompson in the 74. Nice to see Colin back in the series. Champion in Porsche GT3 Cup. Also a champion in this series, I believe, two years ago. Well acquainted with the cars. And good to see him back sharing that car with Wyatt Schwab. 47 Motorsport, so you know it's a good entry. That is Joe Robillard. That car, it grabs your attention because it's painted almost exactly like the car that Stephen McAleer is in. They're teammates, obviously, at Joe Robillard Racing. But you see that blue turquoise paint scheme. It kind of gets your attention. 7.2 seconds at the line last time by for Stephen McAleer. His lead over Austin McCusker. McCusker having to deal with Anthony Simone right behind him. Still cutting into the lead, not so much because of traffic that time, only about two-tenths of a second gain for Austin McCusker to Stephen McAleer. But each time, it's a little bit more and a little bit more. He has the time to do it. Yeah. 
if he can get yeah. traffic working in his favor. Yeah, lost a little bit of ground on that last lap, did Stephen? About a second uh, compared to, Mc- to pe- compared to his previous lap, which had been his fastest lap of the race, one fifty nine point one for Stephen McAleer on lap thirty one. 32 laps completed now by the race leaders. And Garrett Grist in the fourth position in car number 51. He's not now closing on that battle for second and third. Interesting to see why, because he, he certainly has a fast car. He was super fast uh, at Daytona. Unfortunately, they had some problems during that race. He and Rob Hoders finished way down the order. But Garrett Grist is fast, and he's in the fourth place right now in car number 51. And uh, not too far behind him, well, about six seconds behind him, is that... Uh, number 26 car, actually the team car, of uh, Matt Bell, who has already set the fastest lap of the race at a 158.3. And Anthony Simone's going to be very frustrated with the 86 of Dave House, who got in the battle, in the middle of the battle between himself and Austin McCusker, and he lost some time. And now Joe Robillard with a problem on the racetrack, a spin, and will get back underway. But that really separated the 47 and the 23. And by the way, that uh, fastest lap of the race uh, by Matt Bell, a 158.352. That's uh, just uh, nine thousandths of a second away from Pat- Patricio Award's lap record set last year in this race on his way to victory for Anson Motorsports. That's a 158.343. So he's got to find a little bit more if he wants a Matt record. That's Matt Bell in car number uh, 26. I think for Joe Robillard, just got a little wide over in turn five the outside got into the dusty area of the racetrack where a lot of the sebring sand gathers as the cars push it out in that direction and just lost traction and around he went but his teammate stephen mcalear has actually pulled out a little bit about a half a second over austin mccusker that time so mccusker getting caught in some traffic it seems like and the crew really on the radio with Stephen McAleer urging him on, making sure that he stays focused forward and that the lap times stay where they need to be. McAleer goes by looking back down the road. There's McCusker. The 23 just behind as well. And that's the thing. For Stephen McAleer, Austin McCusker is close enough to see. So nobody needs to tell him on the radio whether you're gaining or losing. Yeah, yeah. you want to hear that. You want to know that it's that your lead is staying there. You want to know that it's being eaten into little bits at a time. But Stephen can see it as well. And as long as it remains a pretty small dot in his mirror, he's got a certain comfort factor. You begin to feel that pressure when that dot gets bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. Yeah, that's a good point. And for McAleer, last time around, back to back to his pace from the previous lap, 159.17, so fractions away. I mean, thousands of a second away from his fastest lap of the race that was set uh, two laps previously. Number seven car. Is it? 33, no, it's number four car, Neil Alberico, uh, trying to make a move there on Lance Wilsey. This is the battle for 13th position. Uh, Neil Alberico is the car behind in car number four. That's the car that Leo Lamellis was driving early on. Had that drive-through penalty, dropped him a long, long way back the order, down the order. And Neil Alberico, having won the opening round of the championship Daytona, now trying to uh, get as many places back as he can to keep himself in championship contention. It's good to see Neil Alberico in that car with the success that he's having. He needs yeah. that to help his career stay on track. Impressive in open-wheel cars up through Indy Lights. 
just looking for that next opportunity. And I think he's one of those young drivers who realizes that the opportunity may not be there in an open-wheel car. And looking to sports car to make a living as a professional race car driver is by no means stepping down. It's stepping sideways. It's a sideways step, and some of the best race car drivers in the world elect to drive sports cars. And I think Neil Albarico may have found a home here if he can keep this going. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Brian. You know, he, he, when he came to the sports car race for the first time just toward the end of last year, it really opened his eyes. He was, I think it was at Petit Le Mans he came along to, and, uh, and uh, you know, he, 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 he figured out, wow, you know, this is, this is really cool because he hadn't really paid attention to it in the past. Uh, but now he, he saw, saw a, a crack of a door open. He came here for the Michelin Seabird Encore, had a really good performance here. And then at Daytona, uh, mainly as a result of strategy perhaps, but you know, he measured his pace towards the end of that race and came away with the win. So he wants to get as many points on the board as he can. He's got past uh, the number 33 car on, on that lap, but he's got a lot of big deficit to make up over the next car, which is actually going to be Jonathan George, who's about 14 seconds ahead of him with only 20 minutes remaining in the race. That's going to be a pretty tall order. I'm looking at number 30, 51 car, though. I'm wondering whether... Uh, I, th- I think Garrett Griss has some sort of a problem because all of a sudden he's doing two-minute 01s and he's capable of going a lot faster than that. So I think there is some sort of an issue with that in the car number 51. That's the uh, kind of yellow and black car that's running in the fourth position but going to be coming under increasing pressure uh, very, very soon now from Matt Bell in car number 26. Round two of the 2019 IMSA Prototype Challenge Series. From Sebring Raceway, 10 weeks since the opening round. So it really, these guys are, want to yeah. get into stride here. And we've seen some great racing throughout the day. Only 19 minutes to go. Whoops. Stephen McAleer still holding down the point on his own, driving this race solo an hour and 45 minutes. But Austin McCusker can't seem to break in beyond that seven-second lead. He's gotten it down to 7.0 seconds, but now it's back to 7.3. He hasn't gotten inside seven seconds, so it seems like Stephen McAleer, good balance. There's a look at the 51. Yeah, heading towards the pit lane. Yeah. So that is a problem there for uh, car number uh, 51. That's a great shame. They've had no luck in the first two races of the season. Rob Hodas and Garrett Grist. Talked about the 40 car earlier with David Grant behind the wheel. Keith has maintained a good pace. Their pole star entry running fifth right now, that bright yellow number 40. Locked in a good battle with Max Hanratty in the seven. Hanratty's gotten by. And just in front of them, Matt Bell. So Bell has now worked his way up after taking over from Jim McGuire in the twenty-six. Some very talented drivers in this field and some young drivers looking to make their mark in sports car racing. And you see them right now running at the at the front of the pack. It's certainly interesting that Stephen, that Anthony Simone in that third place car, having I mean, put the pressure on in the early stages, he's not been able to keep pace now with Austin yeah. McCusker in second. In McCusker has pulled out over four seconds now. Or in the in the what had been a battle for second and third, he had gotten right there. And yeah. I, I know he had gotten hung up. Remember with the eighty six of Dave House, and that's what separated that battle. But when he came past House in one of the corners, I couldn't tell if there might have been a little contact and perhaps damaged the dive planes on the front 
of the 23. And perhaps he's lost a little bit of the balance on his Norma. Once again, Norma seems to be a, a, a little bit better, a lot of people feel, in a straight line. And that allows them to run some higher downforce settings. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. And if he's damaged some of those widgets on the front, then perhaps he doesn't have the downforce that he had earlier. And who am I looking at there? Yeah, the, the uh, race leader, Stephen McAleer, he just reset his own personal best fastest lap in the race, 158.498. That's only uh, just over a uh, tenth of a second slower than the fastest lap of the race turned by Matt Bell, who's up into fourth position now in car number 26. But uh, on that last lap, he uh, actually didn't gain much on the car ahead of him. I think he might have lost a little bit of ground. Yeah, he did. He lost about a tenth of a second over Anthony Simone in car number 23, who set his personal best lap on that last time around. So there's still six seconds between the number 23 and the number 26. And that number 26 car of Matt Bell, he was, well, he was comfortably quicker than everybody else yesterday in both of the practice sessions. I'm going to say that the 23 is okay. Simone turning lap times at 59 flat. He's right there with yeah. Austin McCusker in front of him. And Matt Bell behind him. Perhaps Dave House just separated. I mean, he can't. he's not any faster than McCusker, so he can't claw that distance back. He's going to need some help from traffic to get that back because they're turning almost identical lap times. But I'm impressed with Stephen McAleer. Yeah. We talk about the endurance part of this driving one of these hour and 45 minute races solo especially at a place like race or especially at a racetrack like Sebring that is so hard on you physically it's not a, a hot day today but it's certainly warm it's warm inside the car you've got a multi-layer fire suit on your helmet all of that you've got some air that's coming in to keep your helmet cool a, a blower and, and the like but still it's a lot of physical abuse and I think it really speaks volumes for Stephen McAleer's focus on fitness and making sure that he was going to be fit enough to do these races on his own when he got the opportunity to do it. He's lost weight since even the beginning of the year, since the January race, since round one. I think he really knew that it was going to be an issue if he didn't. And what we're seeing is he's reaping the rewards of that hard work in the gym. Yeah, he certainly is. He's done a really fine job. And uh, another quick good lap there, 58.8. Another also good lap for Matt Bell. His, his lap times have been pretty inconsistent, Matt Bell. I'm not sure whether that was traffic uh, last couple of laps, but that one was a 158.455. That compares to his fastest lap of the race at 158.352, and he needs a few more of those with the 14 minutes remaining in this race if he's going to put the pressure on Anthony Simone to grab a podium finish. How frustrating is this for Austin McCusker right now? Because when he came out in the beginning, he was beginning to close that gap to Stephen McAleer in front, and you would hear it from the crew, I'm sure, as the driver, 7.8, 7 7.3, 7, and he knows he's getting there. Look. And now we're back to 8.3 second gap. And I can tell you, Brian, he's not going to worry about it, and here's why, because he also he's already finished second in the first race of the season. For championship points, this is looking, this is looking really good because – the, uh, because uh, in the first round of the season, Stephen McAleer did not score well down in 17th position. So this is going to put number 47 car in the championship lead 
uh, leaving this event. And that big picture-wise, Austin McCusker, his father Jeff was a very accomplished racer uh, as well. So he knows how, uh, w what it takes. I had a little chat to him yesterday. He was fully focused on what he needed to do. The championship is the goal for that number 47 team. Are they having to remind him of that in the car right now? Though? No, I mean, he's he, a smart. Yeah, he's a smart young man. Is Austin? He, he really thinks about everything. He's very analytical. He's uh, he really is smart, and you know he knows exactly what he has to do. He's he's been working hard on his on on, on all aspects of of his, of his driving. So he is uh, properly prepared coming in here. Some good battle there in the midfield. Number seven car. That's uh, Max Hanradi. He's just pulled away a little bit on that last lap from. Uh, Oh, he's got. He's actually got past. No, he was ahead. He was under pressure. Was was Max Hanrady from uh, David Grant number forty? But on that last lap, number fifty-four car, Dylan Murray, who's really doing a nice job in the wheel of that number fifty-four car, made a great debut for that MLT Motorsport team. Uh, Murray has now got past. He's up into sixth place, and uh, he's got past David Grant. We talked about the fifty-one car and Garrett's day is getting worse. He came to pit lane and now has a speed violation in pit lane so they'll have to do uh stop and hold in pit lane to serve that penalty so from bad to worse if he had a problem that was causing him speed on the racetrack which is why he came to pit no, lane well now he's gonna have to come yeah, back i don't think the cars come out again so i think i think it's game over for, for that car in any case unfortunately Stephen McAleer focused forward and continues now to build that lead over austin mccusker and perhaps as you said, Jeremy, it's one of those things that the team just saying, hey, all right, 11 minutes to go, long way to get there. If there's a problem or we end up with a yellow, we'll be there and we can fight. But right now, let's think about the championship. Yep. Let's take the points and go. Definitely. And uh, super consistent laps on Stephen McAleer at the front of the field here. 1 minute 58.768 last time around. His previous two laps were both uh, 158.84 and 8.2. So that's, that's beautiful. Last three laps all within four hundredths of a second of each other. That's what Stephen McAleer is a very accomplished driver and a very accomplished driver coach. And that's what he'll be telling. I've been telling a lot of his students over the years, just be consistent. Build the pace, but be consistent as well. If you can be consistent and fast, that's an unbeatable combination. The other thing that's interesting about Stephen McAleer as many young drivers and a problem for 23. Anthony Simone slowing out of turn six. Car seems to have lost drive. And this is interesting. We were just saying Austin McCusker may just be saying, all right, second's okay. If we get a full course caution, maybe we've got something for him. And they may get their full course caution because I'm not sure that the 23 is going to be able to get to a safe place. Pulls it way to the right, trying to get as far off as possible. But what will the officials do? Will they cover it with merely a stationary yellow? Or will they need to go get that car? Yeah, that's a great shame for that number 23 number twenty three car, you said, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and Simone running in the third position. That's going to hand Matt Bell... Uh, at least a, a position on the podium at the very least and uh, what was his lap time last time around for Bell was a 58.9 so he's lapping well not, not sure about consistently but he's lapping regularly in the 158s and he's now up into third place so if there is a full course caution that's certainly going to be <laughs> uh, very very good news for him just inside 10 minutes to go Stephen McAleer he hasn't seen that stranded car yet but he'll see it when he gets over to turn six and he's going to be on the radio saying, it looks safe to me. I would yeah. just leave it there. 
And you know Austin McCusker is saying on the radio, that's a really unsafe place for that car. They need to go full course caution and come get it. Yeah. And the gap from second to third. From first to second, it's around about nine seconds, a little bit under that time around because Austin McCusker turned a good lap of 58.8. But it's a full 11 seconds back to the car number 26, that is Matt Bell, who has set the fastest lap of the race in car number 26, and a big gap back from him to what would be now the number seven car of Max Hanratty. Also has done a nice job from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Behind him, the youngster Dylan Murray making an excellent debut in the LMP3 cars. So probably about five laps to go for Stephen McAleer. Meanwhile, the 23 still stationary. And I've seen no movement on the part of the flagman across the way from our position of a full course caution. No, I mean, you know, all the teams would have been informed that the car is there. And if it's, he did a good job to, to yep. pull it you know, well off the racetrack. So it's not really in the way. As long as the drivers are, are aware of where that car is then uh, all should be well and certainly the race officials will try not to go full caution full course caution unless they absolutely have to unless it really unless it really is is a safety safety issue issue. absolutely the officials here todd snyder is the race director for imsa prototype challenge very accomplished race car driver in his own right very quick and they're racers yeah And, and and they want the race to continue so They'll make sure that it's in a safe location, but if it is deemed that way, they'll continue, and that appears to be exactly what we're going to do, and Stephen McAleer can breathe again, (laughs) at least for now. Yeah, next car ahead of Stephen McAleer, by the way, is his team principal, Joe Robillard, is running a really good 14th position overall because Joe doesn't have a lot of uh, experience in any sort of racing. Did a couple of races last season in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, uh, but struggled in the Porsche Cayman, but he really uh, is enjoying driving this LMP3 car. He's getting quicker and quicker and quicker. I think he might be uh, struggling a little bit for uh, for fitness, perhaps, towards the end of the race. He's not going, I think, quite as quickly as he was earlier on. Uh, is he looking at the lap times? Uh, but certainly, no, he's not. He's certainly lost some pace, but uh, it's been a really good... Uh, good run a good debut for Joe Robillard in car number 10 and I cannot stress what an hour and 45 minutes in one of these cars around this racetrack is like I I used to say this about the Cleveland Burke Lakefront Airport racetrack as well when I would try to explain to people how rough it was but I think the same analogy applies here go to the hardware store in your ski clothes and sit on the paint shaker for an hour and 45 minutes (laughs) in a sauna that's (laughs) kind of what it's like around this racetrack for an hour and 45 minutes you're doing hard work in a cramped environment over a very bumpy surface and and it's brutal in there and it wouldn't be surprising to see that the pace has dropped off a little bit you see this is a great photo opportunity here team cars down the back straight away the orange in plates on Stephen McAleer's number 43 and Joe Robillard's not going to make it easy, it doesn't appear. He didn't yeah. just slow down and pull over, <laughs> did he? Yeah, he'll probably try and tuck in now. He's, yeah, he's pulled right over to the right-hand side of the, of the racetrack as they head towards turn one. He'll let 
Stephen go through on the inside. Really? Will he? <laughs> yes, he will. And now he'll take him behind him and try and follow him home to the finish and try and learn some more. Good, dri- excellent driving. A yep. really heads up driver from Joe Robillard because uh, Stephen was actually quite a long way behind him as they came on the straight. And I'm sure Joe was kind of lifting off thinking, where are you? Where are come you? On, where are go, on. go, go. And he finally did so and he'll now take him behind him. But uh, excellent driving. Uh, by this great performance by the team. Uh, Milner Motorsports run these two cars based in Central Florida. And for Robillard Racing, they made their debut at this level at Daytona. They ran a car there for just the one car there for Stephen McAleer and Kenton Cook, who was his co-driver there. But they had problems during the race, finished well down the order. But had a great run going. They were running at the front of the pack until yeah. after the pit stop, Stephen McAleer lost a wheel in the West Horseshoe there at Daytona, and, and that was day done. Yeah. It's interesting, just under six minutes when Stephen McAleer crossed the line the last time by, he really needs to run some sub-two-minute laps here to make sure that – or actually, he just needs to run right at two minutes, and he runs those two minutes, he can run for three laps. Doesn't want to go too incredibly no, quickly. No, that's exactly right. He can just pace himself from here. Yeah. Uh, can uh, Run Steven, the pace so that you don't have to do another lap. Well, that's true, too. And uh, just watching Neil Albarico in that car number four. He's up into 11th position now, and uh, he'll probably pass number 70 car, uh, perhaps, of Jonathan George. He's certainly caught up pretty quickly with Jonathan uh, over the last few laps and trying to get up himself inside the top 10. That'll be his goal for the remainder of this afternoon. The track has obviously stayed very consistent as well, and that was one of the things that we were talking amongst ourselves about, about how consistent would the racetrack be in years past, multiple tire manufacturers here and multiple series running different tire manufacturers here with WEC running and all the IMSA WeatherTech sports cars running, Michelin Pilot Series. It's all Michelin rubber. There is a lot of it on the racetrack, but it seems Mm. like a much more consistent racetrack than we've seen in years past. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I was, in, I was curious. The first, the two leaders on that last lap both turned pretty slow laps. Uh, Matt Bell did not. Uh, he pulled up uh, well, more than two seconds quicker in that third position in kind of a 26 compared to the, the first and second place cars ahead of him. He's still got a, an 8.7 second deficit. So certainly if something goes wrong for either of the first two, I don't think Matt Bell can catch them. But last time around, the race leader turned to two minutes point zero. I'm sure he was just waiting for Joe, hoping he'd follow him. Wasn't able to. I, I guess probably maybe Austin had to find a way past uh, Joe Robillard on that last lap. I don't think he did, though. So we'll have to keep an eye on Austin McCusker in the second position. Two minutes oh two it was last time around. Now under three minutes, Stephen McAleer still in the lead, extending now almost 10 seconds over Austin McCusker. And Matt Bell trying to close in on McCusker, but he's got a long way to go. He's got over eight seconds, almost nine seconds between himself and Austin McCusker if has any hopes of finishing second. Yeah. So right now it's the top three holding station, and Stephen McAleer looking for a victory in Prototype Challenge. And how big would that be, not only for Stephen personally, but for this Robillard racing team it it would be huge uh neil alberico by the way did make that pass on jonathan george and uh, jonathan falls down to 11th place overall but i i'm 
Yeah, that's that's going to be the best of the of the bronze cup drivers the, the, with the two bronze category drivers at the wheel of the car uh, running in 11th place just ahead of Lance Wilsey who will be second in bronze cup I believe at the end of this race. There goes McAleer to complete lap 44 and the white flag waves. Did exactly what he needed to do. He ran two laps just over two minutes so that when he got back over here he would be able to just kind of cruise for this last lap, set that up pace-wise. His pace throughout the race has been spectacular. Somebody else's, and you mentioned this earlier, David Murray needs to be one proud papa yeah. because his son Dylan has done an excellent job behind the wheel of the 54 Ligier, running fifth right now, and that'll be a celebration for that group. Yeah. They've done an excellent, excellent job all weekend long. 17-year-old Dylan Murray uh, making his debut in the LMP3 cars. Uh, they did a little bit of testing, but not an awful lot. Uh, Eric Bib Van Bibber, who's a vastly experienced uh, crew guy, he has been uh, looking after that car, and it's been uh, fast all weekend. David, of course, had a bit of a, a, a problem uh, earlier uh, in, the, in the race, but Dylan's had a tremendous yeah. comeback. But they've done a great job of getting the car back up there. He's running very representative lap times. It's been consistent. Grant? Keith Grant lost some uh, ground on the last yes, he lap. Did. Must have had a problem somewhere because he had been right there behind Dylan Murray, but James French has moved forward as well as Alex Barron. For Stephen McAleer, 2019 has proven to be a pretty good year. Disappointment at Daytona, but not disappointment in the speed that they showed he and Joe Robillard, and now comes here to Sebring in a solo drive and is looking forward to one turn away from a checkered flag. This young man, a Michelin Pilot Series champion in 2015, a Mazda MX-5 Cup champion in 2012, and now he can add a race win in IMSA Prototype Challenge. Stephen McAleer takes the checkered flag and claims his first victory and I'm going to say it's going to be the first of many more to come if he continues in this series. A great drive. Austin McCusker comes home second. Matt Bell will be third. And McCusker with a good drive. He and his teammate, good, heady drive, as yeah. you said, Jeremy, to just say, hey, it's a long way to get to the leader. Maybe the risk in trying to get there is not worth the reward because we'll come home with another second-place finish. Yeah. And he and his teammate, Rodrigo Fluker, will maintain the lead in the championship. Will take the lead in the yeah, championship. Will take the lead yeah. in the championship, I should say. That's right. So when you look at that, and you do a lot of coaching of, of drivers, young drivers, what they should do, where they should go, when you look at a young driver's resume, what stands out more to you, race wins or championships? Uh, well, championships, because that's what the ultimate goal is for sure. But uh, you know, I, I, what I do like is, is, is pace and consistent pace. Uh, and that's what uh, Austin did. He paced himself really well in this race. Uh, Rodrigo Fluca did a, a yeah, pretty good job in the first stint, certainly. And Austin brought it home in second place. And they will be absolutely delighted with that performance here for that uh, 47 motorsports team. They'll take over the championship lead for, for Robillard Racing. What a great day for Stephen McAleer. Congratulations to Stephen McAleer. We saw a great race here. Plenty of drama, as you usually see at Sebring in almost any class that runs. Certainly some excitement and some great racing, and this bodes well 
for this 2019 IMSA Prototype Challenge Championship as we look forward to the rest of the season. Congratulations then to Stephen McAleer. Came out to the US to carve his way into the professional motor racing ranks. And my goodness, he has done that. It's taken him, I'm sure, more time than he would have liked to to get uh, into this position. But he's worked hard for it. He... He... When I first heard of him, was literally stacking shells in a supermarket in Scotland. Came on Midweek Motorsport. We had a chat with him. He'd been out of the States and come back because he had come... Uh, had to come back after winning the... He did a skippy skill, didn't he, over here, Jeremy? Yeah, we uh, run the, uh, the Skip Barber Racing School Series, which is uh, a lot of drivers have come through that over the years, and he saw that as an opportunity. It was affordable for him at that stage, but moving on from there was going to be the tricky bit. So as you say, went back, kind of regrouped, really really focused hard on getting back over here and finding himself another opportunity. He did that in the uh, Mazda MX-5 uh, Cup Challenge, uh, won that, got an opportunity with the scholarship to move to you know, keep his career moving forward. So hats off to Stephen. He's now, a uh, well, for, for, for a few years, uh, very successfully, along with Chad McCumbie, ran a successful car in ST in the Michelin Pilot Challenge. And now his, his driving career has taken another step forward. Uh, and Brian, before we let you guys uh, sign off uh, again, the uh, IMSA Prototype Challenge proving, if any more proof were needed, that the format is right, the formula is right, and the racing... Well, it's a, it's a microcosm of endurance racing, and that's exactly what this IMSA development series is, is all about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, the formula is spot on, and you don't want to see it changed at all. You know, the great thing about it is, with the formula the way it is, there, there's no dreaded BOP that I know a lot of race fans struggle with and a lot of teams and manufacturers do as well. And it really is about the crews and the drivers. And I think about... Stephen McAleer, and I talked to him at Daytona and said, when was the last time you drove a downforce car? And I think this speaks volumes as to how good this young man is. He had been a long, long time, and now he's gotten back in one. It didn't take him long to take it to the front. Second round, then, is in the history books, and it's the first win at this championship uh, and the first checkered flag to take home for Stephen McAleer. We'll be back for the rest of the IMSA prototype challenge season here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. For Jeremy and for Brian Till, I'm John Hindhoff. Bye-bye for now. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.